This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you for joining us. It, the downloads just keep growing, and it's amazing. I love it. I love meeting new people that email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. It's so exciting. There's so much fun stuff coming up, so many great guests. Welcome along for the ride. The guest this week is Matt Halpern. He is the drummer from a metal proggy heavy there's a million descriptors you could put on this band periphery he is the drummer of that band and he also runs an amazing service slash website called band happy where people musicians that you enjoy sign up for the site and give lessons and i know that sounds painfully dreadfully boring but it's not because it's a very interactive thing you know, you sit there and basically you, you can use that time for kind of whatever you want. You know, you can either ask the artist to be like, yo, how do you play that one part in that song? And it's just such a cool way to connect the people who are creating the music versus the people who are consuming it and want to become better at their own instrument. So Matt will tell you more about that. We get into it, but it's just, it's a service that I'm just, if I had any musical talent whatsoever, which I don't, I would be super into this site. Propertyzack.com. Visit them. They are our good buddies and they got some great content going on. Review the show on iTunes. Type in 100 Words Podcast and you will find it. And then you could write some kind words about it. It's been a little slow recently. So if you haven't done it, I encourage you because it helps the show. It helps this whole thing seem legit and awesome. And uh, it also encourages people to check out the show. Because the more rankings it gets, there's some algorithm in which our show gets tossed onto the front page occasionally. And it's amazing. Like, I really do notice the uptick in downloads when we just get placed on the front page of iTunes. So do that. And like I said, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let's talk about Matt. So I didn't know him at all. He, well, actually, well, let me back that up. He do, He's doing an amazing class today. Today, April 9th on that creativelive.com website that I've spoken about before. He's doing an amazing class called The Working Musician Playbook, where basically he tells you in his own personal experience how he's been able to make a living for himself being in a band, how to set up finding booking agents, like just so many intricate details that you don't think about until you're in the middle of it. And sometimes that's too late to be able to get a quality person to work with your band or to figure out basically how to exist in this modern musical landscape. So stop listening to the podcast. Go right now to creativelive.com, and you will be able to stream his class. He's doing it over the next two days. So just just tune in. It's free. Do it. So Matt, I didn't know him at all. I got this cool pitch to be like, hey, do you want to talk to Matt? And I was familiar with his band. Uh, I'd seen them once before, I think at a House of Blues show. I can't recall exactly. This band happy stuff, I was already aware of because they do a very cool service at Warp Tour where kids have the chance to win, you know, a in-person lesson from, you know, one of their favorite musicians. And it's just cool. Like I've seen one or two of these classes in action because they usually do it behind the scenes, backstage, that sort of stuff. And I've just walked by them occasionally and been like, oh, wow, it's that person you know, getting on the drums and showing kids how to play it. It's just, I don't know, it's a very cool thing. So I kind of jumped at the opportunity to speak to Matt. And to say the dude's a hard worker is an understatement. His work ethic is so admirable and awesome. And I think there's so many lessons that you can learn from that, no matter what field you are working in. It's the work, man. It's fun. It needs to be fun. You need to enjoy the process. So anyways, we'll talk about that. And here's my discussion with Matt. Sumerian and you started releasing records through them. Um, 
you know, I, my own personal background is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a punk and hardcore kid. And so metal, metal is something I grew into loving as opposed to, you know, being introduced to it when I was 11 or 12. And so it was, it was really interesting for me to watch the community that was built around and the sort of reaction from the outside world. There's just such a bad rap on metal, metal in general. In regards to people that view that style of music and are like, you know, whatever, that's like masturbatory guitar work and just like, yeah, they're talented, but it's unlistenable. Did, did you find yourself having to kind of battle against those those uh, those notions when you guys obviously first started, you know, when you first started to get into like metal and stuff like that? Was there uh, did you see a disconnect there from like any sort of uh, people looking down on you because you listened to, uh, you know, metal and you were kind of part of that community? I think with my peers, you know, everybody was really accepting and overall, you know, I think most people that I was friends with and I was, you know, that, that know me, know I was in that style of music my whole life. Um, so it wasn't weird for them, but I do, it's funny, like, you know, when I go out even today and I meet people, they're like, oh, like, you know, oh, you're in a band? Cool. Like, what, what kind of band is it? And I have to sort of like say that it's metal in a really uh, approachable way. Sure. You know, I feel like, oh, well, you know, we're like in a progressive metal band. They're, but, but you know, it's not your traditional metal. It, you know, there's lots of singing and it's really groovy. It's not really crazy, um, <laughs> you know, to try to, to, to try to pad it. And I don't, it's, it's weird that we, I think a lot of us feel like we have to do that in some ways. Uh-huh. Um, because, you know, it, metal itself is nothing that, that should be, you know, represented it with a, with a, I don't want to say even negative tone, but you know, metal is something that it, it's a, it's an established style of music. It's been around for years and years and years, and it's a gigantic market of bands and listeners, but I think it's, it's still like not mainstream, you know, in, in the, in the, you know, in the, I think sense of the general population, you know? So in some ways, I think we always have to kind of pad it with, depending on who the audience is to sort of get them to, to lend their ear and listen. And then once they do, they get it and they like it, but there's gotta be a, I, I feel like I always have to spin it a certain way to get people to really, you know, kind of even just give it a chance. If that makes sense. You're putting quantifiers on it. You, you can't just simply say this thing because people will assume that you sound like Judas Priest or something like that, or have some. Yeah. They, yeah, they think you're like a devil worshiper and they're like, you kill kids and like, you know, you have like these satanic uh, rituals that you take part in, you know, it's that kind of thing. So it, it's, no, it's totally true. And I, I get it. I mean, even coming from like different subcultures, judging different subcultures where it's like, you know, you look at the, you know, the punk and hardcore community and there is definitely, even though there's obvious crossover, there's definitely still weird connotations of certain bands where it's like, Oh yeah, I don't like that band because you know, they're, they're a little bit more, a little bit too metal for me. And there's that, there's that judgment on that level too, where it's just like, dude, like how about you just focus on like the fact that it's like good quote unquote heavy music. Like how about that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and especially too, with like, obviously the, the, the style that, you know, you play and you participate in. When I first started to hear the word, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it uh, appropriately, you know, gent, gent, like once I started, once I started hearing. <laughs> We're releasing a, a t-shirt on our, on Periphery's web store right now. Uh-huh. And this will clarify it for everybody. Um, we're releasing a t-shirt. Have you seen the movie Django Unchained? Oh, of course. Yes. Okay. So you know the part where um, he's like, the D is silent, hillbilly. Oh, yeah. You know that part? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So we're releasing a t-shirt that's basically, you know, uh, kind of references the gent thing that says the D is silent, hillbilly. <laughs> so Dude, now you know. So good. So good. Because I, I just realized I've literally never said it out loud to anybody until right now, even though that word has been in my quote unquote vocabulary for a while. But even even that quantifier where it's just like, I mean, that's clearly a, a label that's put on you. It's not something that you've obviously decided to be like, oh, here we are, part of this community. Um, but, you know, even right. that even that you have to put quantifiers in front of where it's like, okay, yeah, we are a part of this. But at the same time, like, you know, we're more than that. <laughs> like, there's 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 those yeah, you, you have to explain yourself even more. Definitely. You know, people ask us all the time, you know, what kind of style is it? How do you describe, you know, like people say in interviews, like you guys are a different form of metal. What's it like? Or what do you get your sound or how do you write? And honestly, I mean, we're all just music fans. We listen to all sorts of different styles and what sort of comes out of that is is just sort of like a melting pot of all those styles and that's what it happens to be and it's funny you know we don't call ourselves a jet band i think that the fans sort of 
coined that for us, so we embrace it, you sure. know, because we want we like the, we like the fact that you know our fans can can put us in a category that in some ways separates us from others. But at the same time, you know, there really has been this negative sort of, um, I guess, you know, vibe around the whole Gent name because it just became oversaturated so quickly. And, um, you know, I think we really, even for this album that we're working on now, working on our third record, you know, we're trying to really separate ourselves from those bands. And I don't know if it's something that we normally would, would ever intend to do to, like, separate ourselves from a genre, but I think it's also important for us to just look at it for what it is, which is we have way more musical influences between all of us than just metal or gent, you know, if you will. Right, right. And I think we're just trying to get that out, you know, and, and really get that across to our fans and gain new fans based on, you know, the, the influences that we, that we have. And that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it totally does. Um, and you yourself, were you born and raised on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah, Baltimore, born and raised. And, and the uh, what was your experience in growing up in Baltimore? Like, did you, uh, you know, uh, brothers and sisters? What was your family structure like? Pretty normal, you know, family. Like, I guess middle class for the most part. Um, you know, had an older sister who, you know, we, we she's absolutely great, but we couldn't be more different. <laughs> um, you know, I was always I was always sort of faster paced than she was. I think with a lot of things, I grew up quicker. Um, was always into you know music and that whole scene. And she's into it as well, but just we're very, very different ends of the spectrum in that regard. Um, you know, both my parents are in business. So my mom has been a realtor for, you know, 40 years or something. And um, my dad was a business owner and now is also in real estate. So, you know, I guess uh, one of the uh, the underlying tones of my family kind of upbringing was, uh, you know, I was always exposed to business from a young age. So I grew up, you know, with with looking at the world from that perspective, if you will, you mm-hmm. know? Sure, sure. And now, and it's funny because I, you know, I'll, I'll put this out there because I'm, I'm projecting this, but it's like, because I, I myself was also, you know, I've always been interested in the business side of things. I played in bands for years, was always like the business dude. But some people, especially when you talk about art and you use the word business, it's like, it's such a cold feeling, you know, but it's like, well, no, business in and of itself is also a creative outlet. Like, you have to be creative when you're either owning your own business or trying to do something on your own. You just need to have a business sense about it. It doesn't have to be this cold, like corporate, because you, you just get this, like, you know, corporate monger, like, oh, I can't wait to, uh, you know, crush everybody in order to be successful. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, I think, you know, nowadays, really, I think uh, any anybody who's striving to focus their career around a create creative, outlet of some sort has to have some basic knowledge of business because there's more and more competition out there. You know, there's, there's more and more people that have, you know, crappy creative outlets. Um, but just because they're good at networking, get the exposure over the people that aren't as good at it. So I think, you know, for those true artists out there, it behooves them to understand basic business, you know, um, Basic, basic business topics. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it tactics, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Concepts. Um, but also realize that, as you said, I mean, business can be extremely creative. You know, like you can, you can create amazing ways to help other people. Um, and and to, me, to me, that's what business is all about. You know, the reason that you go into business is because you can help other people in some way, whether it means entertaining them through music <clears throat> or whether it means that you are an attorney that can help them with legal stuff or whether you're, you know, an accountant, you know, you go into business really to, to provide a service that can improve the lives of, you know, the, the general population in some way. And there's so much creativity, you know, within that idea. And, you know, the, the product of that of course is, you know, being able to make a living and, and hopefully make some money. But I think, as you said, you know, people, I think equate business to, you know, what is for, I, I guess kind of referred to as like the suits, so yeah. to speak, people that are just in it to make money. But you know what? The most successful businesses out there, you know, are, are in place to provide a service and to help a large number of people in some way to help improve their lives. So sure. I think if, if creative people were to look at business that way, and, and they're starting to, then I think we would have much more creative, much more productive, and 
you know, much more artistic businesses out there, you know? Yeah. That's just, that's just my kind of long-winded opinion about it, you know? No, no, it's totally cool because, I, I mean, I, I'm glad that you put it that way because, yeah, like you said, because you were raised in an environment in which this this sort of, you know, entrepreneurial spirit was obviously fostered in you. I mean, like, obviously it applies directly to everything that you're doing now, not only with, you know, your band, but band happy as well, where it's like, Oh yeah, there's a, sure. there's a thread that's connected. Um, sure. so as you were, you know, as, as you're growing up in your formative years, um, you know, high school and stuff like that, is that when, uh, independent music in general started to kind of, you know, enter your, your ecosystem, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I just, you know, I, I was always, um, you know, into different bands and I was always into these obscure bands, you know, band like, you know, I remember in Baltimore, <clears throat> there's a band called Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Oh, um, oh my God! I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah, and well, you know, just as an example, you know, like, these are guys that I knew that I was playing shows. You know, like my bands were playing shows with them, and it was independent band. I ended up, you know, getting on the radio and making it big, and you know, it, it was uh, it was really cool to see how that's possible to go from an independent local level, you know, to a national level. Um, with a pretty creative style of music, you know, like that, that stuff was really cool, but there's a whole slew of bands that were, that were like that. I remember even when I went out, I think I went to like my local record store it was called record and tape traders. And I bought, I want to say it was like a Metallica record or something like towards the later years. Like it was, I don't know, load or something. And I got a call, um, from the music store and they were like, Hey, we gave you a sample of, Deftones, uh, My Own Summer. Did you get a chance to listen to it? What did you think of it? You know, and it was at that time, yeah, like they were still kind of, you know, they, they weren't as independent, you know, so, so to speak. But I remember when, like, even bands like the Deftones were, like, breaking out and trying to, to expand from a smaller level to a larger level. And I was just never being intrigued by it and, like, feeling like, yeah, you know, this is something that we can do, that I can do, that with the right people. You know, I can do this. So it was inspiring in a way. And so, so did you, was your entry point within, I guess, music in general, was it more, did you lean more towards the metal side or did you get? Uh, well, my father was always listening. He had a pharmacy back in the day. And, you know, I used to go there as a young kid. And the guys that worked for him, like in the back of the pharmacy, like his pharmacy techs and him, they were all into, you know, heavier rock music or heavier metal. So I grew up, you know, with classic rock the Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. For sure. then, I was really exposed to bands like Queensryche, Metallica, Leatherwolf. Um, oh, sure. I mean, like, I mean, obscure, fairly obscure stuff now, you know, like Crimson Glory. I don't know if you know these bands yeah. or not, but like even yeah, like yeah. Merciful Fate, Merciful Fate, King Diamond. So, I mean, it was a pretty, you know, from the metal, I guess, you know, uh, umbrella, you know, it was, there was a lot of things that fell underneath that umbrella and I was exposed to it. I loved it. I just loved it you know, the tones of the music. I love the heaviness. I love the sort of sometimes eerie or scary vibe that came with it. Cause I was just always into that stuff. I like, you know, scary movies. I like, you know, more edgy things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I was exposed to it from a young age. And, um, did, but did, when I started playing drums, you know, I was playing that kind of stuff. And then I was also learning the jazz stuff, uh, from my teachers that I was working with. <clears throat> and, um, I was lucky to have some great mentors that, opened up my mind at a young age and, and, you know, basically said to me, look, it's great that you have an interest in this one style, but it's really important that you, you know, open your mind to other styles to be a better musician. And that was sort of from a young age, my goal was to, you know, to force myself to get into other styles, which I then ended up adopting and loving. Um, but for the purpose of being a better drummer. No, that's that's very interesting because yeah, it's it's tough because like I mean, when you're younger, you, you're obviously putting a lot in your head in regards to like so many different you know bands of of one particular genre. But then you know when you're you know 15 years old and you're listening to you know Bitches Brew for the first time, you don't get it. Your brain can't handle that depth you know that in depth of a record but like you said if you're if you are looking at it from the standpoint of like okay by focusing on this this will hopefully improve my musicianship and you know like you said have a greater understanding of the music around you i think it's great because i do feel that people that i guess limit their experience from a musical perspective um even if they aren't playing you know even if they aren't actually playing you know an instrument it won't do you any justice when you're, you know, 21, 22 years old, because you'll have, you're like, oh, my playbook is, uh, you know, punk. Like, this is all, this is what I know. 
Like, oh, I don't listen to anyone right. else. It's like, yeah, it's just it's a limiting experience. But it's cool that you yeah. you, you forced yourself to understand stuff that might might not have made sense to you. I was lucky to have guys pushing me in that direction too. So yeah. I can't take all the credit for my open mindedness. Oh yeah, <laughs> I no. was I was forced to do it, but it was good. I mean, I mean, that's something that I that I impressed upon all of my students is to make sure that they you know dive into other styles, that they explore other areas of music, that you know, and I I sort of let them know based off of my experience that, you know, I, I was sort of apprehensive and gave a little pushback at first when my teachers told me to do this. And once I sort of gave in and, and, and listened, I found so many other inspiring things that, that, you know, I would feel like deprived of if I didn't have them now they, you know, they, to them. They get it. They yeah, get it. When you were, you know, when you were doing all this stuff, you know, drumming and obviously, you know, getting into, uh, you know, heavier, darker music, whatever, you know, did your, were your parents, was there ever a point where they were like, Okay, it's cool. Matt's into this, but like he's getting into some weird stuff that we have no context for. Like, did there, was there any friction from that perspective? No, I was really lucky. I mean, my, like I said, my dad was into that style as well. That's good. Um, from a young, you know, from from his formidable years, I guess he was listening to that kind of stuff. And um, my mom really just, you know, she's great. She just supports whatever I whatever I do now, and she supported me for years and years and years. And uh, you know, as long as it, you know, I think she saw that I wasn't like affected in a way where I was like carving things into my arms, like slight, like on the Slayer records and like sure. stuff like that. You know, I think she saw that it wasn't affecting me negatively. So there was no real harm. Um, That's good. You know, in that. so, but they were, I mean, they've always just been super supportive, to be honest. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's great when they, cause yeah, there's, there's that, there's that delicate balance that you strike, especially as a parent where it's like, okay, you know, if we come in, you know, both guns blazing, take all their records away, take all the questionable material that we think they have, you know, it's just going to end up that they're, you're going to find a different way to get that stuff. And it's like, you know, it's just, the, it's that never ending battle, but it's like, if you do find that balance where it sounds like your parents did where they're like, okay, as long as he's not exhibiting signs of like delinquency, quote unquote, <laughs> then sure. then we'll be okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Drums is a very, uh, you know, appealing thing from a young person's perspective, just because you obviously get to hit the crap out of stuff. Any other notion in your head that you wanted to do any other instrument or drums like, yo, this is it. This is what I'm focused on. I'm doing this. Yeah, pretty much that. I mean, drums sort of chose me and I, you know, that was, I didn't really care or had to have any interest to learn other instruments. And, you know, looking back now, I think it would have been really smart for me to learn about, you know, how to play basic guitar stuff or learn keyboard just so I could express to my bandmates even better, like the ideas that I have in my mind. But at the end of the day, you know, drums are definitely my thing. And I'm glad that I've put so much energy into that because, you know, I've, I think my mind has just been, you know, I've been doing drums for so long. It's a, it, I have a rhythmic based mind. So in that regard, you know, I have my role in the band that, you know, it, it serves a purpose. So, um, with that in mind, you know, like, you know, drums, like I said, drums definitely chose me sure. from, from the day I was born. Um, and no, I mean, I just never really was into it. Even now, like, I know I should learn guitar. I just don't care. Yeah. I, I know it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. I just don't care. I don't, I don't have like, I don't sit there and go, you know what, maybe I should pick up an acoustic guitar and go practice. It's like, uh, I don't even have an acoustic guitar. I'm just going to go play drums. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. I don't, I don't have time for that. And so, and, and the notion of playing in bands, was that, that was always something you were really focused on as well? Or did that kind of just develop because, you know, you, you obviously had a talent with drums. And honestly, drummers aren't easy to find, like period. Like that is always the most difficult element at least in the you know my musical experience of like finding not only a good drummer but a reliable drummer <laughs> so sure. so, did, so sure. was it was it that focus where it's like yeah i really want to play in bands and i want to perform you know live i think so i mean i grew up you know as like the good part of the mtv generation where you know i was watching awesome videos before i would go to bed at night as a kid and i saw these guys performing and like looking awesome on stage and I think naturally that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, that, that's just what I sort of gravitated towards, you know? What was the first band that you played, like, an actual show at? Like, where you were, you know, you, you went in front of people and you, you played music? Because I, I presume it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the musical act you were in now, uh, or was it? No, um, it was really, come to think of it, it was like when I was probably, I don't know, 10, eight or, 9 or 10, 
and I was playing with a group of my friends um, at my summer camp talent show. You know, we practiced and we got together and we made a band out of it. We played some other shows at little halls and things like that. But I mean, I was playing bands, you know, around that age, you know, between like nine and 12 is when I really had my first sort of show experiences, you know? Dude, you were, I'm sure at that point it was just, it was like, you know, in a way, novelty. If they're, if people are looking at you and being like, yo, who's this 10 year old that's, you know, totally, you know, for lack of a better term, like shredding on drums, you know, it's like, Oh, this kid's got a good, you know, a good set going on. Was it, did you find a lot of people gravitating to you because of that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and I think a lot of it's just, you know, luck. <laughs> I really do. And, and, and hard, you know, and hard work. I had the, I had really great teachers from the, you know, from the, from the get go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always, I, look, I'm my own worst enemy and I'm also my own biggest critic. So what I think about my drumming and what I think I've done my whole life, you know, my opinion is it sucks. Mm-hmm. But I've had people come up to me, you know, for years, you know, even when I was like nine or ten, being like, "Whoa, like you're sick, you're awesome," and it's like, uh, "Yeah, you don't need to lie. Like you don't need to tell me that. Like I can take the honesty. You can tell me I suck." But no, I mean, like, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know how to say that without seeming like so like it's a bragging thing because I'm definitely not bragging. Was always lucky enough to have compliments coming my way and bands wanting to to hire me and play with me. Um, but I think it's a struggle that all. You know, I think all artists go through believing in their in themselves and believing in their own abilities. You know, at some point you have to believe it to a degree. You know, for me, the way I look at it is like the minute I stop climbing that mountain is the minute that I might as well just quit. And I'm never going to be to the point where I want to be. But that's the whole point of, you know, my passion in drumming. It's like to me, it's a lifelong journey that I'm going to continue to to travel on you know for the rest of my life i should say if that, yeah. if that makes sense yeah no totally and so was was the notion that you know as you were you know graduating high school and um you know was the notion that like hey i am going to make a living out of playing drums no matter what that takes or was there uh, was there another kind of path for you that you were looking in that you were interested in you know different elements of school or how, how did that play out i mean i i did a lot of different things you know like from High school into college, I, I did go to school. You know, so I got my real estate license at the end of high school when I turned 18. And uh, from there, you know, I went to school for public relations and public speaking. And I, I definitely always wanted to do stuff within music. You know, I had a band that was local to Baltimore, and I didn't want to work full-time. So I had this opportunity uh, to go to school and, and learn, and that's what I did. But I music was always at the center of everything, you know, sure, definitely sure. the goal to get out on tour and to go play music and to do these things. I just sort of, it took time for me to figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know, like how do you get there? You know, but that was always the goal. Right. For sure. Right. Well, no, it's, it's cool. Cause I mean, it's, uh, and honestly, it's like, I mean, I'm sure as you've noticed, you, you know, no one talks to the drummer of a band. Like that's just a reality. Like, unless you are obviously this person that's like, you know, has, you know, an insane story. It's like no one is interviewing the drummer. Everyone interviews the singer, maybe the lead guitarist. And so the fact that you were able to develop not only your skills, obviously, as a drummer, but then you know how to communicate. Like in just talking to you now, it's like, okay, yeah, like you're a well put together human being. Um, be- <laughs> whereas other, you know, sometimes other people like that are just, you know, so focused on drumming and that's it, you know, honestly, don't develop social skills like they just don't know how to communicate and they're kind of you know awkward weird dudes and so it's it's good that you had this you know kind of other irons in the fire where you were like okay yeah do some real estate and you know learn learn about you know like you said pr um it just you know it adds to your uh your holistic nature as a person rather than just like oh yeah there's that you know really good drummer and just don't talk to him he's kind of weird you know (laughs) not necessarily a defensive drummer by any means but you know i think any anyone any artist the music or other forms of art who simply only focus on their craft and nothing else is going to be a bit awkward because they're going to be focused on one. That would be like if, if all you did was focus on playing guitar and nothing else. You know, I think that there's, there's a, in some ways that's great because you become an amazing artist. You know, you put in your hours and you become an outlier, so to speak. Um, but, at the same time, I think the social experiences and the things that we do as human beings outside of our art are what allow us to make art. It, 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 you know, those situations, those experiences, the things we learn, 
really dictate what our art is, you know, how, how it's put out and how it looks. Because without life experience, how can you really be creative? Yeah, you can become technically great. You know, technically, yeah. I mean, there's guys that I know that sit in their basement and they work on their right foot or their left foot or their left hand for hours and hours and hours. But if you tell them to play a creative drum solo or a creative groove, they have no idea how to do it because they don't necessarily have outside influences or outside experiences that they can put into their art. You know, and I, I think that's something that applies to all artists that I really hope that, that people start realizing. That's a big thing that I teach my students, you know. Like my students come to me and they say, hey, I'm practicing like five hours a day. And it's like, yeah, like maybe you should do that like once or twice a week, you know, but the other days, like, you know, cut cut down on the practice and go live. Go go have some experiences. Go take a walk in nature. Go right. hang out with a friend. Go do something else, you know, because you need to have a balance and you need to have outside experiences to put into your music. And it's funny, you just kind of, you touched on a passionate topic of mine, which is making sure that the musicians of the future, you know, the guys that I'm teaching and the, the people that I think, you know, my generation of, of musicians and artists have the ability to inspire. I want to make sure that those that new generation are not a bunch of robots, mm-hmm. you know, with computers and technology, the way it is, everybody's already living in a, you know, in a box, so to speak, by not communicating in person, rather by communicating over text message, by, by, by playing video games instead of going out and playing outside. I just want to make sure that musicians don't ruin music because they're in a box. You know, that makes no, it's, it's, I mean, I think that's such an important point. I mean, it leads me perfectly into, you know, obviously with all the stuff that you're doing with band happy, you look at, I mean, nothing for me. I mean, I don't play any instruments. I've always sang in all my bands Uh, going into guitar centers. The worst thing of all time for me. I just, I want to kill myself every time I go in there just because it's not my world. But in looking at, you know, what you are doing with band happy and just like from an outsider's perspective and the way I look at it, it, like you said, it's inspiring. And it also, it actually, it has a soul. Like you feel, you can look at a lot of things and, you know, people, you know, once you reach a certain age, I feel like you have a good sense of like sniffing out the stuff that's like just crap. And you can tell that it's kind of soulless for lack of a better term. Um, but it's, sure. it, you know, not knowing that that is such a passionate part about what you're trying to you know, instill in your own students and obviously the people that, you know, you, you enlist, obviously work on band happy with you. Uh, it's just so cool to hear that actually materialized. Whereas I would have never known that. Um, but I had that feeling, you know, it's, it's cool. So I'm sure the, you know, the, the challenge is when you do have your students come to you that, you know, are just, uh, are, are, are so myopic in their focus. Um, you know, is it a struggle for you to try to steer them in those other directions? Or are they just like, no, like, I don't want to do that, Matt. That doesn't make sense. You know what? I mean, I think, I think, um, I should say, no, it's not really a struggle. And here's why, because, you know, the goal, the goal of Dan happy, the, 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 one of the goals I should say of Dan happy is, you know, connect young students, young musicians, they don't even have to be young, just fans of music or, or, or musicians that are playing with the people that inspire them and not just connect them like by having them watch a video, actually have a live connection where they can talk to someone that inspires them and they can get to know them as a person just as much as they're looking at them as a teacher, you know, and that's a, that's a big, at least for me and, and, and a lot of the artists that I've had the privilege of working with and help them sort of, you know, start, I guess, uh, building their, their teaching methods, you know, I've really instilled in them the importance of letting these fans, letting the people that are learning from them get to know them as people because the people that are teaching, you know, they're, they're, they're artists, they're, they're, they're touring musicians or, you know, they're, they're successful musicians in some way. They got great stories. They're really usually personable. They know how to communicate. They're in bands. These are, these are skills that I think need to be taught by the right people to these, these younger musicians. I guess my point is I think a lot of fans when they go to take lessons with me or with assuming it's going to go a certain way and be this very, very like uh, old school teaching kind of experience. And it's not, you know, like they get to see us as people and we get to help mold them as people. And it's a big responsibility, which is why we want to have the right people teaching. I guess to answer your question based on what I just said, I mean, I think it's really easy to, to make sure that these kids 
get the right direction going forward once they, they, they take advantage of this opportunity because they get to, to learn and see directly from people and how, you know, that inspire them, how they live their lives, how, you know, they go about committing to their art, committing to their music, how they go about working on what they're, what they're trying to improve upon. I don't know. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? No, no. I mean, I think it's great because all, what all you've done you're providing a context in which for people to meet. And I think that's what's like, that's what, I mean, honestly, it's what's so important. It's like, that's why I enjoy doing, you know, this podcast because it's like the, the idea of being able to just like sit down with a person for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and like talk and actually have a dialogue about it. Like it's hard to do that. Like it's, it's because everybody's so busy. Everybody has all of these things going on. And so that's all you've done. You've provided a context in which people can meet up that obviously there's, there's an exchange of goods and services from a business level, but you want to create a holistic experience. I think that's just, you know, that's awesome. That, that is the structure in which you're trying to push people towards as opposed to like oh yeah dude just uh, hop on youtube and watch some drum tutorials it's like that you know that like you said yeah that, there need, it's heartless there needs to be more live real interaction and you know the way that we do it is either face to face over video chat where you're talking to this you know the people are live and they're talking to each other or it's in person where you're having a real experience you know in the flesh you know i think that's really important and look i mean it, there is that business side of it um but the goal is to make sure that there is an equal exchange on either side, that the fan is paying for an experience that's going to be worthwhile to them and inspiring to, to them so that they can then, you know, continue along their path a lot happier and hopefully with better guidance. And for the artist that's teaching, you know, I mean, God knows it's hard to make a living as a musician. And my, my goal, you know, this whole thing started very, very, um, very organically because I myself as a touring musician needed to supplement my income. Teaching was the best way to do it. And why not open myself up to the fans that support me in a way that I can help them be better musicians or better fans. Um, and, and why not charge a little bit for that time? Um, because really the fans are more than willing to pay for that because they know it supports their favorite artists. And they also are getting something from it. It's not just like, I mean, forgive me for saying this, not to knock a meet and greet or a VIP experience that's kind of soulless, but you know, it's not like here, come shake my hand and pay for that experience. It's dude, you can meet me at the show, whatever you come see me at the merch booth, see me afterwards. But if you want to sit down and talk and let me pass on some knowledge or show you how to play the drums better, tell you how it really is for me. Like, that's something I really think that, that fans should be willing to, to, to pay for because it's real experience. It's like why people pay to go to school. Why do you pay to go to college to learn from professors? You go to learn from, from professors because they're studying people. They know their, their, you know their topics of education, and you pay for that education. To me, it's the same thing. It's just a different kind of education, you know, and it's different kinds of teachers. It's teachers that you know, make music for a living rather than research or, or study books for a living. And, and obviously professors do much more than that. I'm not saying right, anything right. negative there. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm simply yeah. just saying it, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And I, I think I really do see it as a win for everybody involved because it's just a positive experience, you know, like it really is the, the, the fans can learn something. It can, they can really become disarmed and, and, get to know their favorite artists as people and the bands get to know their fans better and connect with them better. They can make some extra cash and everybody involved with it is just like, that was sweet. You know, let's, let's keep doing it. And it's funny. I, I don't know if this is relevant to the conversation, but you know, I was with um, my partner today. Um, we were talk- talking about, you know, business, you know, that we're working on now. And, you know, there's a pretty staggering number that he, that he said to me. And, you know, one of the goals of our company, one of the mission, like the, the, the main mission of our company is to create products that improve the lives of musicians. And from the artist standpoint, we've, we looked at our numbers and we've helped artists, um, artists make almost half a million dollars by teaching. That's amazing. And we've, we've, we've connected them with fans, you know, that are willing to support their favorite artists with that amount of money. Like that's, that's like mind blowing to me because it started as a small little idea in my mind. And we've, we've managed to, to create a system somehow 
as you said, to connect the artists and the fans that has helped support these artists, you know, with such a big number in their pockets to live, to eat, to continue to do music and not have to do other things. That's the reason why we're doing this. You know, that's, that is the goal. And I think the fans absolutely understand that. And it's obvious that they're willing to support it. So, yeah. you know, and then, like I said, that's not money we've made. That's money that we've helped artists be able to, to, to make to support themselves. No, that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's something that, yeah, you could directly say, like, without this, like, this money would not have existed for these people to make, which is amazing. Yeah, it's, it, it's a very, it's inspiring for me. And it makes me realize how much effort I need to, to, to continue to put into this business because we can continue to do good things for artists. We can continue to support them and give them more outlets and more revenue streams and, and more connections so that they can continue to, to create art and not have to be distracted by it. You know, I, dude, I used to wait tables to help pay for my artistic addiction, so to speak. You know, I used to do other things and that can really take the wind out of your sails in some ways when you're trying to be an artist. So, you know, Van Happy was always, you know, the, the goal of it was always to provide another way for artists to stay playing music and stay within the realm of music to make a living. You know what I mean? That was, that was definitely a goal and, yeah. and it's, it's working. So it's inspiring. Yeah. It really is. No, for sure. That's awesome. And, um, I want to hit on one last thing and then I'll let you go. You strike me as a very, uh, you know, obviously intense and driven individual. And I mean, I, I myself identify with that as well, but sure. a, a problem that I personally have, and I know I, I've spoken to a few people on the show about this. How, how do you slow down? How do you obviously be able to be like, okay, I, I need to take a break from this. I need to, you know, not, I mean, recharge and obviously still like you, you know, in talking to you, you still have the fire and you still have the passion, but kind of like to make sure that you obviously don't burn yourself out. That is a constant concern, especially as you grow older within the context of music and artistic endeavors, because, you know, sometimes it's like people at 25 and they're just like, yo, dude, I'm out. This is tiring. This is hard to keep up that, that intensity, you know? So how, how do you yourself kind of balancing all of that stuff? Because you do have a lot of moving parts. Sure. Well, you know, I think for me, I definitely have, um, I have a passion for it. And I, and, and as I just said, you know, too, it's like now I have a real reason to stay in the game because it, it's, it truly is helping other people. And I feel like, you know, that's why we're all here on this earth to, to unite, to help each other, to make a positive experience for everybody's lives. And we all play a part in that, you know, no matter what. Um, so that underlying thing without getting too, you know, philosophical and emotional and stuff. I mean, that's something that keeps me going every day, but you know, literally, I mean, you know, I, I'm lucky because as a musician, as a as an entrepreneur, so to speak, I can make my own schedule, you know, and with everything that I have going on, it's very easy to be driven to, you know, to want to work and to want to reach my goals and so forth. But I can make my own schedule when I really feel inspired to work. I can work, whether that's two in the morning or whether that's seven in the morning, you know, and when I'm feeling tired, you know, it, it's taken me time to learn how to balance it. You know, because I used to totally burn myself out, but you learn how to compartmentalize and say, you know what, I've worked as much as I can today productively on this topic. If I do any more, it's not going to get me any further. It's better to come back to this with a fresh mind. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm pretty simple as a dude, you know, like the things that I am, that I like to do in life, I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple. You know, I love my work. I love playing music, but I love my dogs. I love my girlfriend. I love food. So as long as I can pay attention to those things every day for some part of the day, then I can keep myself sane. Right. You know? right. No, that's true. Yeah. You, you, I think the key word that you use there is is compartmentalized because you do, you know, there are times where it's like you literally just be like, yo, dude, after four o'clock, I'm, I'm checked out. Sorry. Like this is this is what I'm doing. I'm not taking any calls. I'm not doing any emails. And so it's a learning process. But I think that you do you, you hit on the key word there that I think that is is important for people to learn in order to not get burnt out, you know, at a at, at a younger sure. age and lose that fire. And it's, it, it's simple. You simply just have to ask yourself, you know, at some point every day, you, you know, you have to kind of just do like, a, like, it's almost like an auto save on a computer. You know, you should say to yourself, is what I'm doing right now still productive? And would it be more productive to stop 
and do something else or should I keep going down this path because I'm still being productive? And if the answer is, yeah, you're still being productive and, and you know, you can, you can keep going and you should keep going. But if the answer is maybe I should take a break because I feel like you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be productive for me or anybody else. And at that point, you know, stop, walk away. And here's what I compare it to. Here, here's maybe like a good final thought. Sure. If, if you play video games ever, it's like sometimes you reach, you get really far in the game, you know, you're progressing, you reach a, a level or a boss that you just try and try and try and you cannot beat it. You just, you get frustrated, you can't progress, you can't beat the, the damn boss. And eventually you throw the, the controller down, you walk away and you go do something else. And then whether it's the next day or whether it's five hours later, you come back and like within three tries, you beat the boss. You know, you that's the thing. You, you can't force it if it's not working. You have to take a, a breath walk away, and when you come back, you know, you'll be ready to, to complete the task. You'll, you'll be more prepared. And you know what? That's a, that's a good lesson in life. It's like being successful doesn't mean making lots of money. You know, being successful doesn't mean like, uh, you know, that you're constantly just winning and everything. You know, being successful is, is understanding that there's going to be challenges and, and, and not every day is going to be a big win, but every day there should be small victories, little things that you can say that you did, even if it's as little as I got this much work done today that I wouldn't have done if I didn't do this work. You know, that's a small victory, Like you, you've accomplished something. And I think with life, it's like, you know, we, we try, we all try to do so much. We all try to be like, you know, the, the big guy or the big girl trying to, to, you know, impress others or to, you know, impress our parents or even impress ourselves. And it's like, at some point you just have to stop and say, you know what, like it's a journey. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. At the end of the day, we're breathing. We're, we're, you know, we're working hard. And like I said, it's, you have to take, you have to take, um, I guess solace in the little things that, that you experience in life and be happy with those things. Because at the end of the day, once you reach your gigantic goal, it's going to come and go really quick, just like everything else comes and goes. Like if you win the lottery or something, okay, you can only win the lottery once. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do? Oh, I still have to go on living, right. you know, and you still have to wake up every day. So don't build everything up into these like big ginormous things that, that if you don't reach this gigantic goal, your life is over. Again, compartmentalize. Look at what the, what the journey is and how many small things and relationships and people that you have to work with and all the things that go along with reaching your goals. Like The successes there in the small matter are what make life worth living and, and how you should really look at everything. Take your, take your time. Falling down doesn't mean the end. It just means you have to pick yourself back up, back up, and find the silver lining. And you know, just I guess the simple way to say it is just focus on the small victories every day. Totally. You, you have what the best piece of advice I've ever received on this is like you have to be a fan of the process. Like you have to enjoy the the you know sometimes hard backbreaking work of like putting something together in order to feel like oh like oh that was cool I enjoyed that as opposed to like you said when you get to that top of the mountain and then you're like oh cool there's like 35 more mountains I'm supposed to climb up because I've set these weird arbitrary uh, you know success posts in my life it's like well no did you enjoy climbing the mountain it was hard sometimes but I enjoyed it because I yeah. ultimately like you said built built those small things up to get me to that summit yeah it's, it's it's about the experience and really you know mike mowry actually said to me one time um and i'll never forget that he said this you know this a couple of years back he's like dude it's all about the journey it really is it's all about the journey um yeah you know and and, and never take that for granted and look the fact that you and i are on a phone call right now and have a phone to use is that's a small victory because a lot of people in the world, man, they don't have this luxury. They don't have phones. Yep. They don't have homes to go home to. They don't have a car to get in. And I think it's really important for people to check themselves and remember that like it could be worse. And, you know, you could be in a much more uh, difficult situation than most of us are. And some of us are in very difficult situations. And the thing is, the only people that are going to get us out of those situations are ourselves. You know, we're not owed anything. We're not entitled to anything. And it does take hard work, but that is what life is about. You know, like life is about going along this journey, doing the best you can for what you believe in and what you want to do and making sure that you stop along the way and say, you know what, I've, I've learned something. Here's the victory. And at least, uh, at least I'm, I'm able to, to put food in my mouth, hopefully, and, and have a place to sleep. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. If, it, if you have, if, if one day you have a gigantic place to sleep and you can eat the best food in the world, then that's fantastic. Hopefully, even at that point, you start coming up with other goals to help other people get to that point because that's what, like I said, it's all about giving, it's all about helping, it's all about sharing. And I think in any in any field of work, that should always be the underlying cause, even though it's not. You know, I think that's the point of what what we're all trying to do is, you know, with even with your podcast, you know, you you want to educate the listeners and inspire the listeners. I think to at the end of the day, just be better human beings, and you know that that's going to be better for everything they do and everybody that you come in contact with. Yeah, you know, no, so, totally, totally. It's it. I'm like, I don't know anything. I'm just I'm just one dude. I'm just doing what I believe, you know, so all the stuff I'm saying could be complete bullshit and like, you don't have to listen to it, but it's just my opinion. And, and I, you know, I don't take myself very seriously at all. I just do what I, what, what I hope can help, you know, other people. That's all. I will, I will go ahead and say, you don't need to uh, discredit all of what you said right there because you, you're, you're hitting on very important points because you, all you're doing is you're speaking from your experience and that's all any of us can do. And then ho- ultimately that will hopefully put people in, in a positive mind frame to be like, oh yeah, I take all of these, you know, 30 people that I, I, I trust or I've listened to or I care about. And then I build the composite that is my own life as well. So I, yeah, you're, you're good, Matt. You're good. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you hanging out, and I know that uh, yeah, you're on to you're on to another endeavor after this. So uh, I'll let you go. Awesome, dude. Ray, thank you very much. Pretty rad chat, right? I thought so. And uh, yeah, so go to bandhappy.com. Tune into Creative Live, like right now. He's teaching a class right now. Yeah, it's just I love it when people have an idea and they execute it, and it doesn't suck. Because, you know, there are a lot of ideas, and I am guilty of it myself, where it's like I, you know, kind of put something out to the the general public, and it's half-formed, and it's just a cool idea. I just want to get it out there. But Matt really took the time in what he's been doing with Band Happy, and obviously his band as well. It's a They are a very successful thing. I appreciated his time, and I appreciate everybody that made this particular show happen, because there's a lot of emails flying around about it. So... Tune in next week. We will have some other great guests. And, oh, man, we're like two weeks away from the two-year anniversary. Get excited. The producer for the show is Tom Richfield. Visit propertyofzack.com and visit 100wordspodcast.com. And I'm on vacation right now. Oh, so relaxed. Playing golf. Hanging out with the family. Good times. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.